0: Talk dirty to me. The Quick and the Dirty with Hillary and Sandra. You're kidding me. Here are things that I have talk put in my mouth. Uh, oh my God, Hillary. <laughs> it's what everyone is talking about. Get jazzy on. I'm Hillary from London. Hi, I'm Sandra from Ottawa and this is the Quick and the Dirty podcast. It's a podcast where we talk about
1: real everyday life stuff that Sandra and I fail at. And we also have amazing guests who tell their stories and uh, interesting ideas about
0: things that are happening in the world today. Yeah, we have a great guest in studio. In fact, today she's in the London studio with you. Yeah, we've got Dominique Rodier, and
1: she is a... She's all sorts of things. We'll get to that in a little bit. We're going to talk
0: about phobias. She's like, a long title and I, I am not prepared. That's good. She's all kinds of things. And we're going to talk to her later about stuff. <laughs> we're going to talk about phobias okay. and oh. hypnotherapy and Girl, how that can help. You are That is right up my alley. Now, before we begin with the quick this week, Hillary, I, I actually, I, I meant to mention this last week uh, on our 51st episode of the podcast, but okay. I forgot because that's what I do. But I want to give a shout out to a great email that we received at our uh, Gmail account, which is, um, what is it? The quickanddirtyatgmail.com. The, quick and the dirty at gmail.com. <laughs> That's right. So this is a gentleman who listens to the podcast named Dave, and he sent us an email. He has a couple of questions, and I thought we could start off there. Okay. Hi, I'm Dave. I'm from Kitchener-Waterloo. I really enjoy listening to your podcast. Best wishes for reaching your first anniversary. Dave, mwah, thank you. Couple of questions. Not in any particular episode, but just intro and extra stuff. In the intro, Hillary, you say here is a list of things I've put in my mouth. He would like to know specifics. If that is a particular episode, if so, he says he missed that one. So what exactly have you put in your mouth?
1: Okay, so that is a direct (laughs) quote. I think I say weird things I've put in my mouth. It's not a list. Uh, I think it's because we were talking about our secret talents and I was talking about how I can actually fit my entire fist in my mouth.
0: I remember that episode, Villery, uh, <laughs> Villery uh, Vividly. Um, I, don't, even I remember. don't remember
1: the name of the episode, but it was an episode about ta- uh, strange talents. I,
0: I, it may have been our first podcast. I feel like that might be the case. Yeah. And I, I don't remember having, I don't remember how it came out. And I just remember you saying that. And to this day, when I think of you, I actually think of you as someone <laughs> who can put their fist in their mouth because that's a pretty cool talent. Ah, is it? Is it? Okay. So there's one question (laughs) answered. What's the next one? In the extra, you say, quote, please follow us on social. He would like to know why you don't say social media. (laughs) It's implied, Dave. Dave. Get with the times, Dave. Dave. We love you, but yeah. Because we're cool, Dave. That's all you need to know. You know why? Because we don't have time to say social media. We're all, it, It's word economy, Dave. That's why. So he says that these are the kinds of things that I notice. No criticism intended. No criticism taken, Dave. I appreciate your entertaining show. Please keep up the good work. All the best, Dave. Thank you so much. How come I love you didn't that. get a question? Um Like, is he just critical of me? That's right. He just wants to know. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Maybe he's afraid of me like most men are, Hillary. Well,
1: and quite honestly, they should be. Absolutely. Okay,
0: Sandra, so what are you covering this week in The Quick? (laughs) Um, Let me start off by saying this. I am now eating collagen. That's where I've, that's where I am. That's where I'm headed. That's what's happening in my life. I am so vain and so desperate to stay young. I've actually started to eat collagen.
1: Is it just because you want to pro- you want to protect your looks? Right. And what's collagen supposed to do? Like, is it powdered? What is it?
0: Well, this is powdered collagen. So you could put it in your coffee. You could put it in your water, whatever. Collagen is something that our I think our body produces anyway. But the older you get, the less it produces. And it basically keeps your skin tight. <laughs>
1: Okay, so (laughs) I've Googled it because Dr. Google tells me everything. Okay, tell me more. And it says it's the main structural protein found in skin and other connective tissues. It's widely used in purified forms for cosmetic surgical treatment. So you're eating it instead. Where does this collagen come from? Like, are you eating
0: human skin? Um... You know, I should have asked, but I I didn't. (laughs) It was at the health food store, so I trusted it. Um, That's an excellent question. It's obviously man-made collagen. Okay. Maybe I should be a little suspicious of it. But when you see collagen in a jar and it says, eat me, you're like, I'm in. And I just I just bought it at one of those natural food places, and I do put collagen on my face as part of my skincare okay. routine, which is vast, mm-hmm. uh, but now I'm like, uh, I'm going to have some, get some collagen, and uh, now, obviously, I am taking probiotics, because since we had, uh, remember, Coach Papaya on the podcast? Yeah. So now I'm all about gut health. I'm taking a B-complex vitamin. Okay. I'm also taking, uh, I just said the probiotic B-complex, oh, I'm taking fish oil, because I feel like i'm a slow i just feel like i'm slower in life my brain isn't as fast as okay. it used to be and then up and now i'm now i'm eating collagen as well so i've become that person with her pills yeah. Uh, you, know I mean? you know when you go to the pharmacy and right next to the pharmacy there's that stack of pill cases uh-huh I for have the one seniors. I'm not well, even
1: joking but mine are for actual conditions not perceived ones
0: <laughs> these pill cases aren't even big enough for the pills that I need they're like little pills I need like the big Costco version because I'm like the pill lady now and I'm convinced that I'm never going to die that's literally where I am in my life <laughs> and the collagen I don't Am I actually now, is it a pill, it, a collagen pill? Or is it because you can just, just get like loose powder? It is loose powder. OK. And I put it in my protein shake every day, which contains uh, crazy amounts of protein and more yogurt because I need more protein and other probiotics. Like my gut health is going to be it, it's ironic because I actually have a stomach ache n- now and I'm <laughs> working on my gut health. So I'm a little confused.
1: Well, you, steady as she goes, Sandra. You can't just
0: knock that thing into oblivion right away. So it's just a process is what you're saying. So, and then, you know, once you start eating collagen, you're like, "Mm, I really have to maybe take a good hard look at who I am as a person. Um, I like the idea of staying young forever, but is it... I mean, is it actually, can I actually fix myself from the inside out? And if you're taking all these pills, would it just be cheaper to pay for the cosmetic procedure? (laughs) But I'm anti, sir. We've talked about this on the podcast before. I don't want work done. I'm I'm all about skincare, but I don't want to slice and dice my face. I'm not there yet. I'm not doing that. (laughs) It's too much. And you know what? It's like, I I can't even handle the oil change on my car. I'm not going to remember my face. You, know, like you remember your vitamins? Well, that's true. <laughs> that's only because of that little pillbox that I have that's too small, obviously. I, I don't know. I just feel like I, everything was okay until I started to eat the collagen. Now I'm like, wow, that's next level, girl. That's next level. How pricey is it? Like, is it expensive? Um, it was about $30. And how and long th- will it last you? I'm going to say about a month. Okay. And I don't know what I'm Would it be I'm cheaper for, just though. to get a facial three times a year? Um, <laughs> maybe. My liver has never been tighter, though. Like, it's just <laughs> boof, the liver of a 12-year-old right now. It's just Liver? Tight. T- t- Are t- you cutting
1: all fat and alcohol I'm out of kidding. your liver? Because I'm that's, just kidding. Yeah, I'm at like...
0: my spleen. My liver's a mess. <laughs> the useless organ. That one's tight. I'm going to probably give birth to my liver later on. It's so bad. Just come out of me. It's gonna. My, what if my liver just falls out of me one day? Because it's just like my body rejects it. <laughs>
1: Honestly, like... Yeah.
0: Women have become terrible
1: at aging gracefully. And maybe that's because of computers and social media. We have to look at other women who look better than us all the time True. instead of like having to worry about that one person in town who's super pretty that you secretly hate. <laughs> yeah. OK.
0: So and I, I just like, I can't
1: understand how women grow old gracefully now. Like you have to just seriously not care.
0: I don't think you should grow old gracefully. You're going to fight tooth and nail to the very end. I'm just like, yeah, I'm I'm like the cat on the curtains, I'm hanging. And I'm just going <laughs> to hang there and I'm not going to let go. Just the you know the With cat your, your very expensive fake nails. <laughs> I'm never going to let go. I'll die before I let go of those curtains. Oh, my gosh, baby. That's what's happening. My grandmother
1: was an excellent example of not wanting to let herself go as she aged. She was 90 when she died. She had a 75 year old boyfriend. I had to go to the hospital when she was in the hospital and put on her makeup and help set her hair like this woman was not letting go.
0: Your grandmother is my spirit animal. She
1: was a bit of a bee too.
0: So (laughs) your grandmother is who we should all aspire to be. The fact that she's in, was she literally on her deathbed at that point? Oh yeah. She's on her deathbed and she still wants to go and look fabulous. Oh my God. I need to build a shrine for your grandmother. How amazing (laughs) is that? And the fact that she was robbing the cradle with a 75 year old scandalous. I know, right? I love her. She's amazing. (laughs) Oh, Hillary. That's great. And, uh, how my grandmother was in her nineties when she passed too. And it's funny because upon her death, we had realized that she was lying about her age to everybody, whoever she met, she gave a different age to. So literally we had no idea how old she was when she died. Okay. So it was great. We also found out, and you know, you, you, you hear all the stories when someone passes, you know, and you're like, Oh, I didn't know that. I didn't realize that she was so vain. She kept her hair very, very long, and she kept it in a very tight bun. But she was diligent about uh, keeping her hair dyed black. Dyed really? Black. She'd gone gray years earlier, but she would never cop to it. That's what I loved about her. It. They'd be like, "You, you must be gray by now," and she'd be like, "Nope, this is all my hair. Never changed. It was always <laughs> black." And I'm like, "Yeah, girl." When I heard that, that's when I knew I knew who my people were. These yeah, are my people. Yeah, it was it was a beautiful moment. Aren't you a little bit? I, I, like, isn't there a part of you that must be must bow down to your grandmother's fabulous? Because that's amazing.
1: Yeah, but I mean, there were other things about her that weren't so great. So with one, loses that's another, right? Yeah,
0: But that's a beautiful thing about death. You can lie. And when people die, <laughs> apparently we all lie during not death. too. <laughs> but when people die, you tend to remember the good things. And, you know, like just like an old relationship in that first love. You break up for a reason because it wasn't good and then years later you romanticize Mm -hmm. it and then you remember it as this beautiful thing that it wasn't. And that's how I think most people's lives are remembered as well, even if they are bees. And that's That's what you're hoping for, right? Oh my God, so badly. I can't even tell you. (laughs) I just want you to remember the eight good things I did as opposed to the 800 crappy things. (laughs) That's all a girl can hope for.
1: Speaking of crappy things that we do in our lives, I have a question for you. Is it okay to jump sports teams in order to save your
0: relationship? No. What? Absolutely not. Why? Okay, first of all, if your relationship hinges on you liking one team over another, (laughs) you got bigger problems. Yes? No. Okay, so here's the thing. I
1: am dating a guy who lives on the border of the US and Canada close to Sarnia. Well, he lives in Sarnia and by just by default he's a Detroit fan, a Tigers fan. He loves baseball and that's his team right okay I grew up in Toronto well just outside of it so I've always been a Jays fan now I have to admit I'm not particularly a baseball fan period but if I were to watch it would probably have
0: been the Jays okay so if the Jays and the Tigers are playing today who are you rooting for
1: I probably still root for the Jays Because I'm already watching the game, but I will happily only go to Detroit games because my appetite for baseball is so small that I can only take in so much.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So have you like denounced the Jays for the Tigers because isn't that what you're saying you're doing? No, but I would say I go to two or three Tigers games
1: in a year and I haven't been to a
0: Jays game in a really long time. Would you say that your relationship... I like that I feel like I'm grilling you right now on the stand. (laughs) Um, Exhibit A. (laughs) So would you you say that it's important for your boyfriend to know that you prefer the Tigers over the Jays? Oh, no.
1: No, 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 no. It's just if I wear Jays stuff to a Detroit game where the Jays are not playing, I fear for my life in Detroit. Well,
0: everybody fears for their life anyway, Hillary. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think it matters what you wear. Yeah, I just said that. Uh, (laughs) So, But you don't think that he cares
1: either way? No. Although he he has bought me a couple of things that are Detroit. Like he's embarrassed to have the Blue Jays stuff in his household.
0: (laughs) It's more fun when you cheer for the same team, for sure.
1: Yeah. I want a bonding experience. Why else would I watch sports? Not for pleasure. (laughs) I know that's silly. I agree with you. That's Absolutely nonsense. silly. Anyway, uh, so that that was my question. And apparently I'm wrong.
0: Uh, I just think that if you do, uh, here's the thing about you. You're um you're a fair weather fan to begin with. Well, because I don't care. That's right. So you, the, you don't even have a problem. You're creating a problem that doesn't even exist <laughs> at a girl. That's my girl. That's what I do, too. And just for the record, I'm from Montreal. I'm a former Montreal Canadiens fan. I moved to Ottawa and now I have, I had to denounce, unfortunately, the, um, the Canadians and I now cheer for the Ottawa senators because that is good for my marriage, but it's also because I live in this city.
1: Right. So you're like,
0: you got to support the locals. I didn't do, I, yes, I did it for my marriage, but I wouldn't have done it for my marriage if I still lived in Montreal following. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Would he have had to change for you then? Um, that's a, that's a great question. No, no man would switch his team. I can't imagine any guy going, okay, I'm not going to cheer for the Leafs anymore. That you. You know what? That's a good point. Women do it all the time. Yeah. We do it all the time because it's just easier. Yeah. God. <laughs> now I don't know how this now click you're made fired me so up. mad. I'm fired up.
1: You know what? I'm going to go. You're no, going go Hey Tim. Hey Tim. If I told you to, would you change your team?
0: Oh, I can't. That would start. We'd we'd be divorced by Friday if we even went down that ugly road because he's a baseball fan. It wouldn't even happen. And and by the way, if I went home and said that I was cheering for the Montreal Canadians and the senators were dead to me, I don't even I can't even imagine how dark we would get. How I can't. I don't even like. Can we change the subject? I don't even like this conversation anymore. Are you afraid that this will be the one podcast Tim actually listens to? He'll never listen to this podcast. He, he's already said to me, I have to listen to you talk Monday to Sunday, and I listen to your radio show. Well, you want me to listen to your podcast, too? <laughs> I know your stories, Plagakis. I know. So... <laughs> Unfortunately, my, my 16-year-old son does listen to the podcast, so he'll probably just tell dad with the and Oh, notes. he's your little spy. He's a total spy, that kid. He stalks all of us, doesn't he? He's always stalking you and sending you DMs. Oh, yeah. He, he slides into my DMs all the time. <laughs> I know. He Usually to complain you.
1: about you, but I never share.
0: <laughs> that is believable.
1: OK, well, we have an amazing guest on the podcast today because uh, we want to talk about your phobias, Sandra. <laughs> Oh, good. An intervention. I love podcasts like that. Okay. So I think we've all heard the term phobia before. And uh, sometimes maybe we use it when it's not legitimate. We we use it for things that we don't like. But there are also people with actual phobias where it starts to infringe on their daily life. It starts to interrupt things and becomes a problem. So on the podcast today, we've got Dominique. She is a mental health therapist, a medical clinical hypnotherapist, and a neurologist linguistic master practitioner. She also uses other things like tapping or EFT, cognitive behavioral therapy, and psychotherapy to help out her clients. And she runs her own practice. She also works with a Trauma Healing Center of London uh, for counseling and the psychotherapy services and internationally with Dr. Sapien's Wellness. Please welcome Dominique to the
0: podcast. Woo! (laughs) Can I just say that was the best title I've ever heard in my life? Could you have more titles? Uh, yes, <laughs> but we're not, we're
2: not doing that.
0: So Don't we it, all, your business card must be a scroll.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it would be easier to say mental health therapist. Okay, that's right? good because that's a great place to start with a phobia, isn't it? That's correct. Okay, where do we start? Well, first off, I'd like to uh, give just a little definition for those that aren't clear out there on what a phobia is.
1: Yeah, because we use the word all the time, but people don't really know what it is.
2: Exactly. So a phobia is a type of anxiety disorder and it manifests itself or defines itself in persistent and excessive fear of either objects, animals, something in your natural environment or situations. And sometimes those fears are irrational and abnormal fears, and they interrupt people's daily lives. Like sometimes it becomes very chronic. And uh, a phobia can be a learned behavior, believe it or not. So if, for example, you have a parent who's afraid of water Mm -hmm. and they won't let you swim, you don't take swimming lessons, and you have this chronic fear of touching the water, that's a learned behavior. Right, comes from a parent who already has a phobia, a fear, and then they transfer it on to their children. So in a way, it
1: can be catchy just because you're hearing constantly about this is bad, this is bad, this is bad, that fear creates.
2: Exactly. Um, I'll give you another example. The movie Jaws. Okay. Okay. How many people have developed a fear in the water, even if they're in a freshwater lake? That something's going to come underneath them and bite their toes, or you know, there's a fish that touches them and they start screaming. Well, you know, so many people watch the movies *Jaws*, for example, that they develop this fear. So that's something that's constantly um, exposed to them in watching those movies, right? So that isn't—I I was going to say that isn't real, but it is real to them. Exactly. So I just
0: want to, not to interrupt you, no but I have that fear <laughs> when you said it. I'm like, <laughs> I, I actually always talk about what JAWS did to me. It wrecked me. That was the f- one of the first maybe 17 things that ever wrecked me in
2: life. <laughs> but was, but I that's can't why even I'm swim. using it as an example, because you and a lot of us have that uh, thought in the back of our mind that's created this fear, right? This phobia.
0: Yes, and you're ta- And I'm like when you said people who are in lakes. I mean, I'm my foot will touch seed- seaweed, and I might need a defibrillator after that because I can't even <laughs> handle it. it. I go, I start, I have spasms. Well, do I you start really? Have? Like, are, are you actually having spasms, or is it like a mild fear
1: and you're kind of uncomfortable?
0: Uh, it's you know, if I'm in a in like a you'll lake, you'll still go, but in the ocean. I've actually joked that I can't swim alone in the ocean because if there's a shark, I need to hedge my bets that, you know, you, (laughs) you should flail because I, you know, I'm going to have to sacrifice you, but I am always aware of sharks when I'm in the ocean. I'm always looking for sharks and I'm always, I never go higher than waist deep because of the sharks, you know, And, and you've, and we've seen some really freaky shark movies where they can actually just jump out and snatch you from the beach too. So I worry about that as well. Okay. I don't know if that's a thing. I know. I'm telling you, Hillary. I'm a broken woman. Just. I guess I am kind of skeptical
1: about what is a rational fear or or like a generalized fear versus a phobia, because you'll still go in the ocean, and I assume that somebody who has an
0: actual phobia won't go anywhere near it. That's probably right. I don't know. I'll I'll leave
2: that to Dominique to decipher that. For argument purposes, right? Um. Let's say somebody who has a phobia of clowns. Okay. Some people may not like clowns. They're uncomfortable. They won't go out of their way to go to a circus or be close to mm-hmm. a, a clown. Whereas somebody else, if there's a clown near them, they will run like heck and you won't even see them touch the ground. So that's the difference, right? So, you know, it's the same thing with animals. Mm -hmm. Uh, somebody who has been bit, let's say, in the past, Mm -hmm. and they develop this fear of dogs. Right. Well, some of them can control it, and they'll still pet the dog. It takes them a while. They'll be comfortable, where others can't even be in the same room as dogs. So we're, we're all different. We all have different thought process. We all have different perceptions. And this is where, um, when I mentioned some people, it's irrational and it affects their day-to-day life. So it's what really
1: classifies a phobia is an inability to function in that situation or around that object or item.
2: Something that causes anxiety, right? So, for example, Sandra's in the water. She has this constant anxiety in the back of her mind. And if something touches her like seaweed, she freaks out. So um, a lot of us have different ways coping mechanisms uh, and different ways of dealing with things. And um, but it still hinders their day to day life, like a fear of heights, a fear of flying. Um, So some people will be able to get in an airplane and fly and other people can't and it affects their lives because some of them are married or in a relationship Mm -hmm. or or for work they need to travel.
1: Like I don't love flying. It's not my favorite time and I get like a little anxious at takeoff and and landing Mm -hmm. but I can function. So I wouldn't say like I would say I have a healthy fear of flying versus a phobia.
2: Right. But let's say it prevented you from doing what you need to do. Then you would come to me. Mm-hmm. We get to I, what I do is I typically uh, do a regression therapy. We get to the moment where you made that idea, where, where that idea, that fear was formed in your mind, you know, where that phobia started. And we do a reverse So that when you're flying, you enjoy it. You're happy. You're looking forward to flying. So I can give an example of a client that I had. Okay. Now, this client traveled all over the world. They were a filmmaker. So um, they were in a third world country. They went on a bus. This person had this gut feeling not to get on the bus, but they were with someone else who said, no, 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 there's nothing to fear. Let's go. Well, unfortunately, the bus got in a terrible accident. Many people died. This person developed this fear. It created a trauma, but it's also a phobia for traveling in anything. So this person was afraid of going into a car, a bus, a train, a plane, anything at all. Which would totally annihilate your life. And the career. One session doing a trauma reversal or a phobia reversal, which is the same process by the way. So you go back to the event, you do that, you recreate it. The person doesn't have to, uh, re and relive that whole segment. The subconscious mind does it for them. So a lot of people are afraid saying, oh, I'm going to go into, you know, uh, this hypnotherapy session, I'm going to have to relive this and I'm frightened. No. It's a subconscious mind that does it. So you do the reversal and then it's gone. So what you do is on a scale of one to 10, you evaluate after this, the the protocol, where are you at? And they'll say, oh my gosh, I'm at a zero. Like the fear's gone. That's
1: so crazy. Now, Sandra, you are a uh, an admitted claustrophobic.
0: I'm about uh, almost 30 years in. Uh, I would say to being a, at times a, a problematic claustrophobic. It's affected my quality of life for sure. Like Absolutely. you, if you're riding in a car, you have to be the driver or the front seat passenger, preferably yeah. the driver, right? I, I preferably always. And I can't, I, to be more specific, I can't be in the back seat of a two door vehicle. I still have trouble with elevators but I'm slowly getting better. I had trouble with air tra- airplane travel for the longest time because that moment when they lock you in, they seal you into an airplane, nightmare. What a nightmare. Well, cuz uh, I remember when I met you, you had to be medicated to get on a plane. Uh sure did. <laughs> I went to my family doctor and he gave me Ativan after I told him what I, what I was suffering from. And uh, he's like, don't be a hero, you know, <laughs> relax yourself to get on that plane because nobody should suffer. Cause I've, I've had a couple of planes where I've gone through full anxiety and that's just the worst feeling in the world when you're stuck on a plane and you're having a panic attack. It was a nightmare. Uh, so I vowed never to go through that again, but my claustrophobia dates back to my, like before I, w- I think I was six or seven and this is what the question I want to ask you, Dominique, specifically, you talk about going back and pinpointing that moment where it all began. Is it that easy? I can, because I've, I've spent my 30 years thinking about it. Um, I can pinpoint the mo- the first time I felt claustrophobic,
2: but is it that easy for everyone to find that moment? In hypnosis? Yes. Because you, when you're doing it, you just say, okay, go back, go back, go back. Now, Let your subconscious mind find the moment when you consciously made the decision that you were afraid of closed-in spaces.
1: Now, do people articulate that moment to you, or is it kind of done
2: inside the mind? No, they articulate, yes, because I need to know where to go and how to deal with it. So
0: it would start usually with some kind of a
2: traumatic instance. A traumatic instance or just... A thought that popped into your mind and you made a consci- conscious decision that from this moment on, you're going to be afraid of closed spaces. The mind is a powerful thing, yes? Very. The subconscious mind has all the answers, knows everything. So that's why hypnotherapy is so effective. Because most of the time in one session, you can get directly to the root of a problem and do the reversal. So we call it a negative, changing it back into a positive. Because when you were born, you weren't afraid of closed spaces. It's, it's something that occurred during your lifetime where you made a conscious decision that this is it. I'm afraid of closed spaces. So,
0: Sandra, are you willing to talk about that moment for you? Sure. I am. Uh, this, you know what? I don't think I became claustrophobic in this moment. The, the moment I became claustrophobic was when I was 19. But I was about seven the first time I remember feeling afraid of a closed space. I was playing with these two little brats uh, (laughs) in my hometown. Uh, They were cousins, distant cousins, and uh, we were playing it with a Humpty Dumpty toy chest. So all the toys were in the Humpty Dumpty. So they they took the toys out and they put me into the Humpty Dumpty toy chest and they put the head on top and they sat on it. And they held me in there for a really, really long time. And I vividly remember being terrified because there were two, two boys sitting on this Humpty Dumpty t-shirt. Also, I hate Humpty Dumpty. So there's that. No, I'm just like, he's such a jerk. So I remember that. But years later, when I was 19 years old, I was, uh, we were driving a mentor with a whole bunch of us. And we got into the back of um, a little Chevy. Okay. It was a Chevy hatchback. And uh, the two guys in the front seat were both six foot eight. So the seats were back and you know, when you, you lose but your space. But you're also like almost six feet tall too. I'm tall as well. So we, about like three or four of us jammed into the back seat of this hatchback, which was a two door hatchback. And it was Montreal. There was traffic and it was 30 degrees. It was such a hot, hot summer day. And we we're downtown riding St. Catherine Street and we were not movie, moving and we were just melting. You know how those hot, oh, yeah. sunny days. that The, the those, seat belt searing oh. a little horseshoe into the side of your thigh. You have no space. There's a seat in front of me. And I, I just remember at that moment, I had the craziest bout of anxiety and I screamed, let me out of this car. Let me out of this car right now. And they're like, Sandra, we're like five blocks away. And I'm, but you know, five blocks would have taken us in an hour with the traffic. And I'm like, get me the, you know, I started swearing, get me out of this car. Get me. They let me out of the car. I walked the rest of the way and I took a cab home. I'm like, I'm, and that was the last time I got in a two door Uh, The backseat of a two door car. And then did it just kind of spiral from there? Like over the years, it got worse and worse and worse. Uh, That was the moment I convinced myself I was claustrophobic. Like Dominique was saying, and then uh, then it became like, well, I can't get in it to an elevator now because I'm going to be enclosed in that. And then the more the every time I'd be in a position or a, a situation where there was an enclosed space around me, I would tell myself, and I I remember I know this. I would tell myself that I was claustrophobic. I can't be in this space, and then I would become scared. So then I started making a list of all the things I was scared of and in then your I, head, and then
1: it just it, it tumbles out of control because you're. Yeah, we have the ability to make it bigger than it is. I mean, Absolutely. we've all had those moments where you're thinking back on a memory of something and it starts to mutate and it's not exactly what it originally was, but
0: it's your sure. truth. Right. Absolutely. And the elevator thing is still a problem. I can't get into an old, small, rickety elevator. I can't. I'll walk up 30 flights of stairs before I go up and down that thing. Um People around me aren't as forgiving as I would hope that they would be. Like sometimes I've been in big elevators and people I've been in elevators with will start jumping to try to make the elevator stop because they think it's funny. And I've always thought that's so cruel. Do do they maybe not
1: know that it's as legitimate as you say it is, though? Because I think we all I think our society is so apt to use the term phobia for just like a, a general dislike. Right. Which I think is dangerous because there are people like you who have legitimate phobias who use that term not loosely. And then people think it's OK to make jokes.
0: I've, I've, I've ended friendships because of I mean, I've, I've made decisions about people based on the way they behave with me in an elevator. I have. Because I find it cruel that somebody would do that. And they don't seem to know that if we do get stuck in an elevator because they've done that, I will shut down as a person. And like, I'll probably be like a three year old in a corner crying and go fetus, go all fetal. But I'm serious. I would thinking about it. Actually, I'm getting anxiety right now. Ooh, Girl, where's my wine? <laughs> like, seriously, I'm getting worked up even talking about it, Dominique. And I'm sure claustrophobia is very common.
2: Sorry, every time you talk about it, you reimprint. So every time we relive moments that give us a fearful feelings or phobias, it just acerbates. And that's why when you're doing a reversal in hypnosis, we don't take you there. We don't have you relive the moment over and over again because it just emphasizes it. And that's why I said, you know, the subconscious mind does the work for you. The other thing I want to mention is, you see how it's affected your life throughout different situations, yep. when I regress you, it won't necessarily go to when you were younger, it might go back to when you were 19. You don't know what moment it's gonna bring you to, and you will even surprise yourself. But we go back uh, to a moment that will pop up in the hypnotherapy, we do the reversal, and it will actually reverse all those feelings of all those times. So it's kind of like connecting the dots of your lifespan and all the moments where you had those fears. So it's amazing. So after that, when it's cleared, you're able to go into small spaces and not feel that anxiety and feel like you have trouble breathing.
1: Are you able to think back to those original moments where you, because like, even just talking about those original moments, I can hear the anxiety in Sandra's voice. Will she be able to think back to that time in the car and be like, Oh, yeah. I remember being scared, but I,
2: I don't feel that feeling right now. Exactly. So remember I was telling you how you you asked them on a scale of zero to ten, ten being the worst, zero feeling nothing. You always double check. Right. And you always make sure that the reversal took place. And. If for some apparent reason there's a repetition of always this uh, situation where you're in a closed space, so let's say you work in tunnels and you have to go back all the time, should that feeling start coming back, you could always go back and see your therapist and come back and see me and say, hey, you know, let's make sure that, you know, this isn't coming back up again. But I've never had that happen. Every time I've done a reversal, on a trauma a phobia if i work with post traumatic stress usually it really uh remains cleared i've never had anybody come back to me with that same issue
1: is it hard to make sure that somebody is hypnotized because i know like it's easier to hypnotize some people and where others are more resistant to it so uh
2: What's involved in that? Well, I'm glad you brought that up because we're talking about phobias and we're talking about hypnotherapy. How many movies do p- have people seen, horror movies on TV about hypnosis? Or how many stage show comedic shows have right. they seen? And then they say, oh, heck no. You are not hypnotizing me. I'm not losing control. Well, let me tell you that when you hypnotize someone... You can't make them do something against their will, their volition, or their beliefs. Subconscious mind just doesn't take it. So again, there's this whole thing that has been built up about hypnosis. So anyway... I just want to mention that. So, so when, if it's so you're against
1: say, your nature to strip naked and buck like a chicken, you're not going to?
2: <laughs> no, because the people are going on stage. They've allowed that. They have the theatrics in their personality. Right. They're okay with that. And they're going there because they know that it's possible. Mm-hmm. So if someone has a very analytical mind and they question everything and they won't let themselves relax. and they Sandra? and they don't trust you. I can't (laughs) surrender. That's,
0: this is where I wanted to go with it too. You have to want to surrender to be hypnotized.
2: Yes. Yes. But I can assure you that I'm going to go see you in Ottawa and we're going to work on this
0: (laughs) and you will will be relaxed. I, I almost, and it's terrible for me to say this, but after a few bouts of therapy, I can't, I can't do this. I I don't say I can't very often Mm -hmm. um, because I I like to achieve things in life. Mm -hmm. But I am I am not prepared to tackle this 100 percent because of of the way. um, I mean, I've talked to doctors in the past who say the only way to cure me is to put me in the backseat of a car and to like do
2: it. No, but I don't think that
1: she would do that with you.
2: That's not the way that I do that. But, you know, if you do research on this, a lot of people force you to work through it yes that's what they
0: wanted to do mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and uh and i'm and then i went hell no and i left <laughs> <All right>. well <laughs> that was I, I wouldn't time. do that
2: i wouldn't do that that's right. not how i operate um but first of all uh, we would do a simple hypnosis session just so, because hypnosis is simply a state of relaxation
1: i have been hypnotized and it was crazy okay well, do really tell. Yeah. I got hypnotized. We actually have it on our Jack1023 website somewhere in the back end. When I, we first started we uh, the show here in London, we did a fall of firsts. And uh, this hypnotist was doing a show at the Western Fair. And I was like, yeah, 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 whatever. I've never been hypnotized. So he went to his hotel room of all places. I brought a friend because I'm not an idiot. and <laughs> Girl. <laughs>
0: So I went to this guy's hotel room and got hypnotized. Anyway, so. (laughs) I'm not saying anything because I'm too afraid. (laughs) So I went and he just put me into a state of
1: relaxation and did a couple countdowns. And then he had me lift my arms. There's a whole video of it. And then put my arms down. And then when I left, he told... I, I still was kind of like yeah 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 whatever I'm kind of conscious and I want to do this you're not making me do this and then when I left though he did um like a relaxation type hip- hypnosis and uh, I was like whatever I left and I should not have driven my car like I should not have been driving my car because I was out of it relaxed like too relaxed not like. Not like a a drug sort of feeling, but just like very chill. My body had never felt so good at this time. I was struggling really badly with uh, rheumatoid arthritis and just like a lot of muscle tension surrounding sore joints. I felt so relaxed and I am not one to believe in a lot of this stuff, but I would do it again. Cause it was the most amazing
0: feeling. It's a, it's very addictive actually. But, but what I'm sorry to interrupt, but Hillary, just back to you in the hypnosis, because I'm not, you know, there are a lot of people out there who, who don't believe it. You know, like we were talking about people who go on stage and they cluck like chickens. You know, there's a lot of people who believe that that's just, they put on a show because they're in the moment and they feel that they have to put on a show. Mm-hmm. But uh, while you were being, while you were under hypnosis i've never been hypnotized so i'm a skeptic for sure right um, i would i would ask you this were you trying to resist or were you you know surrendering to it
1: well i was just doing exactly what he said I, it's not like a i'm going to let go kind of thing it was just like all right well i'll i'll in my head count the counts and think the thinks and yeah <laughs> and i i mean i was fully conscious i knew when he told me to raise my arms or to do something i knew that he, he was telling me that I wasn't like not there, but were you skeptical? hundred percent. Yet, you yet out I still of felt completely different. Like I, I don't feel like I did anything that I didn't want to do, but I did feel different leaving.
2: I don't know but, if that resonates with you, well, Dominique. When you would have, um, when I would have counted you out of hypnosis, I would have made sure that you are very aw- awake, alert, and aware. <clears throat> and when we've done some very uh, long, intense work, I just make sure that people stomp their feet, shake their body a little bit, just to make sure that they're present in the moment. And uh, that they're okay to drive after, Mm -hmm. right? So, Sandra, have you ever been reading a book or watching a movie and you're so concentrated in it and somebody's talking to you and you don't hear them? Because you're concentrating on either the work you're doing, the book you're reading, or the movie you're watching? Uh, I can't think of a specific example, but probably, yeah. Well, that's just self-hypnosis. You're, all it is, is you're really concentrated on what you're doing and you're totally relaxed. So when someone's in hypnosis, they're, they're aware, they remember, um, like I said, you can't make anybody do anything against their will, their volition or their beliefs. It just won't take. So when we're doing affirmations. When we're changing negative into a positive, we're using words that resonate with you so that the subconscious mind will take it in. So when I'm doing uh, hypnosis with you, before that, um, I use words that you've come up with. And we're doing the changes that you want to change. If you don't want to change, it won't work. And a lot of people have secondary gains. Secondary gains means they don't want to change a certain behavior because it allows them to get away with something else in their life.
1: Ooh, girl. (laughs) Ooh. (laughs)
2: What do you mean? (laughs) Because it gives you an out. Yeah. Right. Gives you an out. So... But, you know, you cover all that uh, in hypnosis. Everybody's different. Everybody has a different thought process, different perception of things. And it's always done with care, consideration, and at the person's uh, um, comfort level.
0: Have you ever been able to not uh, help anyone with their phobia? And, and I, n- not because of you, but because yeah. they are so resistant to surrendering, you know what I mean? Being part of that process and they just can't, they can't, because I feel like I'm the kind of person who wouldn't be able to surrender in any, I just can't
2: I okay. give up that control. I couldn't. Right. Let me say this. The mind is afraid of change. It just fears change. So if you're in a really bad situation in your life you will put up with the bad situation rather than change because the mind is very fearful of that. I use all these different techniques in order to shift perception. And you've always known that you've had all these options, but you are going, why didn't I do that? It's so clear, now I can see. But I do that with different techniques, different exercises, different modalities. So that Mm -hmm. in less than five minutes you go, Oh my god, my goodness, like who would have thought? And it was right there in front of me. But it's because you've gotta change the that that block, that perception, and you gotta open it up.
1: So what she's saying, Sandra, is your therapy might be layered. She's got to get through the control first.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: and the then get issues, to the to issues. Then the daddy
0: issues. <laughs> yeah. And then all the other issues. And then we'll get to the, the claustrophobia. Yeah. Do you know, years ago, uh, not uh, maybe five, six years ago, I did finally see uh, another therapist about it. And I told him about all the, the techniques I was using to deal with my claustrophobia, especially on a plane, how I always brought a book. I always brought like a book, a movie, things to distract my mind. I always made sure I was on an aisle seat so I I'd, I'd think I'd have more leg room Mm -hmm. and those things. And he said, I was doing just fine. He said, I have all these um, strategies in place to help myself deal with my claustrophobia, but he didn't, I was never cured and I've never been cured of it, but it's much better because I have strategies for every situation. Right. It requires like a lot of planning. I have to know in advance if I'm going on a bus, I have to think, okay, now I have to be at the front of the bus and I have to make sure that I have an aisle seat. So it's, it's like my whole life is built around seating (laughs) where I sit every time I go somewhere and people around me are pretty good at helping me because they know now that it's real. But I, I, truly believe I'm never going to be cured of it, and I am not emotionally ready to even tackle it. And that's but the if truth she's of it. not
1: going to make you relive it, like you won't remember, like you can think about and talk about that moment. If that's something you can do not under him hymn- hypnosis, why are you afraid to be hypnotized?
0: I just th- find it hard to believe that after thirty years of con- of being truly terrified of something, that I'm all of a sudden going to be in an elevator one day and be like, "Yeah, yeah, it's fine." Or I'm going to be at the back of a, a car, a two door uh, vehicle in the back seat, and I'll be like, "Yeah, this is cool." I just don't understand how I can retrain my brain like that. Okay,
2: but you train yeah, your brain to have the fear, right? You trained well, your brain to have the yes. phobia. My
0: brain knows to go to the dark place every single time. It just knows that. <laughs> and, I'm
2: not, and I joke
0: about that, but some people say I'm a critical thinker, but other people say I'm a dark thinker. Thinker. Either way, I always go to a dark place. Right. And I don't know how to retrain my brain to do that.
2: Well, that's where... Not to do that, I should say. That's where Dominique would come in. That's <laughs> why... No, <laughs> no, but seriously, I know we're joking about it, but there's so many little things that I would do that it would just creep up on you and go... Yeah. Why the heck was I thinking this way? Like, you know, I don't get it, but yeah, now I'm, I'm comfortable with it and I'm, I'm ready to go there. You know, it's funny because we talk
0: about it being irrational. A lot of these phobias can be very irrational. Yes. And I, well, I would agree with that, but the intellectual part of my brain knows it's irrational. I know I'm not going to die if I'm well, in the backseat of a car and I, my, I can intellectually understand how
2: ridiculous it is, but there's a part of me that can't let go. Right. But that we'd work on the part that doesn't want to let go. Right. Right. So so before doing any of the other things, we'd work on that part. And, you know, we don't have enough time on the air for me to give you, you know, uh, techniques that I would use doing that in order to get there. But you would see that it's just like what we're doing right mm-hmm. now, talking yeah. back and forth and...
0: So, so I don't have to give
2: up my Adavan. You do not have to give up your <laughs> yes. Advan. Not yet anyway. All right. So we've established that Sandra can't be saved.
1: But what <laughs> kind of
2: other phobias have
1: you treated? Like what are some of the most outlandish phobias or fears
2: have you treated? I've had clients that come to me and they're afraid of everything. They have every possible pain, ailment, physical and emotional. I can't do this. I can't function. I don't remember anything anymore. Um, just the mind, the, the, the critical factor, which I call the monkey mind, just takes over. It just ruminates and ruminates mm-hmm. all those negative thoughts, uh, self-bullying. And so... Anything particularly weird that you've had to treat? Hmm...
1: Like out of, out of the ordinary, like we've all had negative thoughts and, and claustrophobia is pretty common.
2: Repetitive voices, um, constant bullying, uh, disassociation. What does repetitive voices mean? Sorry to interrupt. Oh, um, you're not good enough. You can't do anything right. You're so stupid. Why do you do those things? So like
0: negative self-talk.
2: Negative self-talk.
0: But I work with a guy who just her. told me that uh, he is uh, has a phobia and he is afraid of nipples. He cannot handle it when people touch his nipples. His and nipples or uh, his their nipple. own? He doesn't like to see nipples. He doesn't want to know about your nipples. And if you even go and jokingly try to touch his nipples, he will flip you. And I mean, I was laughing about it. but I, And I and I thought he was, you know, put it, you know, it was just sort of, you know. Uh, Did you go in for the story? I actually did because I'm an, I'm an ass. I did exactly what I... You know how when I'm in the elevator and people do that to me? Yeah, you were that I person. I did that to him. And then after my hand reached for him, I realized, oh, crap. I'm now that person I hate. And I apologized. But then he, he told me a story how he he's... he does. I didn't ask him how it started. I feel like I didn't have the time to hear that. I but feel he, like we it,
1: might all know. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: well, but yeah, <laughs> That's true, the, mommy. You know, you mommy, mommy issues. issues. Yeah. Uh, and and is that a phobia that you've heard of
2: before? Uh, yes, I don't think there's anything that that you can possibly imagine that doesn't enter other people's minds. Um, it could be anything. It could be stemming from sexual abuse. It could be stemming from first uh, sexual imagery that that person felt as a young child. Um, It could could stem from anything. Everybody's different.
1: I do have something really weird that makes me very uncomfortable. Now, not to the point where I can't function, but to the point where I can't touch it and I need to get somebody else. I cannot touch cotton balls. I don't know if it's the texture. I feel like I can hear them. I'm just talking about it and I'm getting goosebumps.
2: Yes. But, you know, I'm glad that you guys are bringing up all these different um, phobias because they're a little bit out of the ordinary. But if you knew how many people out there have out-of-the-ordinary phobias, I mean, it would be everybody that we know has one or several phobias. Um, And, again, um, it's just a question of, Where did they adapt that idea? Where did they get that impression, that feeling? Um, You know, and you just go back and you find out what it is. It's see what you see, hear what you hear, feel what you feel. Tell me about that moment. Um, If they're uncomfortable, there are ways of looking at it without them reliving it. Hmm. So um, there's there's all these techniques.
1: So, Dominique, if somebody wanted to get a hold of you, maybe to find more information, if well, since you go to Ottawa quite regularly to see your family. Yes. uh, How can they get in touch with you and maybe make
2: an appointment? Okay, sure. Um, They can call me at 226-688-9195. And do you have an email address if they're more comfortable online? I do. Um, I can give two email addresses. Molly, which is all lowercase m o l l y r o d i e r at hotmail dot com, mm-hmm. and the other one is Dominique, all lowercase again. D o m i n i q u e at Patricia Berenson, So it's P- the way you spell Patricia. Mm-hmm baronson is b e r e n we'll post it dot com. Yeah. so that's my email for the trauma center but uh um those two emails work for me
0: amazing uh, i'm gonna put that on the podcast description just like Hillary said, and I can't thank you enough for opening up my closed mind. <laughs> I really appreciate that I mean, I can't. There's a part of me that wants to, I mean, I think I can speak for anyone who has a phobia, how freeing it would be to not have these things that cripple us sometimes day to day. But it's almost even more scary to tackle it, you know? Do you think it's become part of
1: your identity? Like you don't feel like you'd be you if you didn't have it?
0: If I wasn't some crazy, crazy bee on a bus? uh, Yeah, maybe maybe. Maybe, and I'm just so used to the idea of being afraid of these things that, uh, again, you, we've talked about my my inability to let go in life. Uh, true, but I would like to live in a world where I'm not debilitated because of it. And it's not debi- like the the plain thing. I just want to live in a world where I'm cool everywhere I go and I don't have to worry about stuff. That'd be great. I think I could speak
2: for most people. So Wouldn't I think, that be nice? Yeah, I think that's the start, Sandra. I think right now what you just said is the beginning of possibly entertaining the thought of changing this so that you could feel free. Um, a lot of times when I do do it, people cry at the end and their are tears of joy and they say, yeah. you have no idea how much you've changed my life. And uh, oh my gosh, I can live again. And I feel so free. I can't thank you enough for coming on the podcast today, Dominique. You're quite welcome. Thank you for having me.
1: And don't forget to follow The Quick and the Dirty on social Instagram at Hillary on air at Sandra Kiss One O Five Three, Twitter at Hillary Welch at Sandra Kiss One O Five Three, and Facebook at Quick and Dirty Podcast. If you've got a question for us, you can email us at The Quick and the Dirty at gmail.com.